some verses and uh, so that when you give the offering, you'll have more faith for it. And uh, so while I go to the book of Genesis, and Jalisa, you don't have this, I think is Jalisa back there, or uh, Sister Fowler, go to Genesis chapter 1, um, verse 28. I want to start there. Um, also, I want to say, please take advantage of the Financial Peace University. I know several people um, had told me they wanted to attend, but they couldn't because of the financial side. So we have removed that barrier. So now if you don't attend, it's on you. Amen? Yes, sir. All we can do is offer it. And I'm telling you what, it'll help you get out of debt. And the number one enemy of wealth building is debt. Yes, sir. Debt consumes so much wealth. And I'm telling you that as someone who used to be the debt collector. I used to be the guy that would call you and harass you and get you to pay. You don't want to live your whole life in debt. Are you all here this morning? Okay, the, the energy in this place is on, it's too low. Can you fake it for a minute? Yell amen. There you go. I know it's raining and whatever, but it ain't, it ain't raining inside. Amen. Book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 28. This isn't part of the sermon, but I want to infuse it in there. And I'm going to tell you that today I am going to do my best to stand right here in this spot, not for the purpose of being boring, but I'm going to be very, very methodical because the word that's coming forth is far too important for you not to get it. Everyone say, I plan to get it. Because everything that God does, every revelation, every commandment, every correction, every promise is for the purpose of bringing to pass his original intent. And his original intent was not that you would live a life of slavery and misery. Okay, I'll just preach to the wall. God is not the thief. He's not the one who steals. He's not the one who kills. He's not the one who destroys. That's the work of the enemy. The devil, Satan, comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. God's original plan was not... God didn't sit up in the head and say, let's make man in our image and in our likeness and see how much misery they can put up with. No, 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 no. God, His original plan was that every experience would be pleasurable. Every experience. To lavish upon His creation such goodness, such grace, such gold, that they would never have no reason to praise Him. It was one unending party in God's mind. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, I've preached on this before. I don't know if you've heard it. Right after God made man, right after, everyone say, right after. Man had done nothing yet. He had not offered a sacrifice. He had not yet done any great task. He had just simply been made. And the very first thing God does, and God bless them. 
Very first thing, man did not deserve the blessing. He had not yet had an opportunity to deserve the blessing. God blessed him because God is a blessor by nature. So God blessed and God said, be fruitful and multiply. Go to the next slide. And fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Some translations say, have dominion. When they first came out with the New Living Translation, they, they worded it in a way I like. They said, let man have mastery over life. God's original intent, folks, was that you would master every circumstance, every environment, and every opponent. That you would know nothing but victory. And so what I want you to hear is this. God is still committed to that. God has no plan B. God's original plan is still the plan he's pursuing. He wants you and I to master life. And so every word in the scripture is to that end. Every promise has that purpose in mind. God is not trying to make you miserable. God's not trying to make you uncomfortable. God ain't trying to make you impoverished. In fact, I, this is where we'll start. Go to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 11. Hallelujah, Father. The title of today's message is Live Life Enriched. Live Life Enriched. I, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm past the 50-year mark, and I've just got to be honest. I believe in transparency. My wife and I have been homeless we have lived on bagels that were delivered to us in a garbage bag. I was dropped off at my grandparents' door, dirtied and with everything in, my, in a garbage bag. The reason I'm saying this is not to solicit sympathy. I don't need nobody's sympathy. But I have lived the first half of my life impoverished. And my wife had to join me in that journey. Now... It wasn't God's design. It's because I've made some boneheaded decisions. I've been ripped off. I've been lied about. With, things have been withheld from me, just like you, right? But I'm believing in the Amos anointing. What's that mean? If you read the book of Amos, you'll discover in there there's a prophetic word that the reaper would overtake the sower. Meaning that God is going to speed things up in such a way, because listen, we ain't got 150 years to make up for our mistakes, right? Every year that passes by, that's one less year we got to recover. So we need supernatural quick recovery. I need God to do in a day what should take a decade, because I spent a decade trying to get it figured out. So I'm believing in and asking for the Amos anointing. God, make up for my mistakes. Let mercy reign. Let grace pour out. Father, recover all that was lost. Restore all that has been misplaced. So that I can be in life and in Him exactly where I would be had I never made a mistake, never made a bad decision, and never committed a single sin. Right? In other words, I'm believing that the latter has, and listen, the Bible does say that the glory of the latter, 
will be greater than the glory of the former. So I'm believing the latter high half of my life is going to so exceed and excel the first half that I ain't even going to care about the first half. But just like Abraham, when he finally received his promise, he named him laughter because he forgot about the hard times. When the promise comes, joy comes with it. And the Bible says weeping might endure for a night, but joy... Ain't nobody in the house listening to me, Lord, I'll preach to you. Joy comes when we wake up. It comes when we shake ourselves and say, I'm not living like this anymore because God's plan is better than my, in my situation. And so a couple weeks ago, I was reading in the book of 2 Corinthians, and I've read this so many times, but I'm so grateful for the Holy Ghost. Because he can take a verse that you've read ad nauseum. You know it every way you think you've read it a thousand times and you read it and it blows your head off. It just jumps off the page and grabs you and shakes you and says, boy, you ain't never seen this before. And that's how I felt a couple weeks ago when I read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. I'm going to read the whole verse, but I want you just to focus on the first four words. You will be enriched. Amen. Yes, amen. You, everyone say, that means me, me. will be enriched. Enriched. enriched is better than impoverished. Yes, sir. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Now, I want you to notice again those four words. You will be. That word will, if you look it up, it means by divine determination. Selah. By divine determination. What does that mean? That's a very fancy way of saying God made a decision. God decided you're going to be enriched. Because every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father who is above. It's His determination. You will be enriched. And as I said, I want to be very methodical about this because here's something that we have to understand. And human beings have this frightful thing called free will. And what that means is this. Hear me when I, everyone say, I'm listening. God will state His will, but He does not impose His will. He will not. He states it, He showcases it, He outlines it, He gives you the end, He tells you what it will result in if you'll do His will, but He will never, not one time in any situation, for any person, impose His will. we got to get that straight. Because a whole lot of people, I've heard them say it, if God wanted me rich, he'd make me rich. Amen. Go ahead, no, if God, if God wanted me this, he would, baby, you got to get this straight. You got a free will and he will not impose his will over your will. Amen. He'll beg you. I have set before you today the blessing and the curse, life. And death, and then almost like a teacher 
who so desperately wants you to ace the test, he'll bend down, he'll get into your ear, and he'll say, choose life. Trust me. That's, no, 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 not that one. Choose this one. So that it will be well with you. But he won't choose for you. If God were to impose his will, he wouldn't start with prosperity. He would start with salvation. For we know the Bible states that it's not his will that any would perish. But it is his will that all would come to a state of salvation. So if God were going to impose his will, he would superimpose his will for salvation on every man, every woman, every boy and every girl. Give them no choice. But he can't. And he won't. So understand, if he won't do that when it comes to something as important as the salvation of your eternal soul, then he's not going to do it with the state of your wallet. But he will say, I want you to be well. I want you to prosper. I want you to be in health. I want you to know nothing but good days. And he will outline how to achieve it, but he will not do it for us. We have, listen, the will is his, the desire has got to be ours. He'll say, here's my will, here's how to achieve it. Right? Is this okay this morning? I'll get to the lesson in a little bit. When it comes to salvation, he made it very clear. Here's the, here's the outline. Ready? Everybody's got to follow it. No matter your gender, no matter your race, no matter your educational level, no matter whether you're rich, poor, somewhere in between, everyone who comes to him has to come the same way. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. You can't cheat the system. You can't come to him any other way. Right? But for every man and every woman and every boy and every girl who will follow the outline, this is how we get saved. Believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, and you will be, and you will be do what the scripture says and you'll always get the promised result. Always. So keeping this in mind with you will be enriched. That's the state of his will. He has stated it. I want you enriched. I do not take pleasure in your poverty. The Bible never says it. Preachers say it, but the Bible don't say it. And you know what I've come to the conclusion? Let every man be a liar. Let every one of them lie. But the majority of men is never to be confused with the will of God. The will of God is stated, and you've heard me say it before, and I'll say it again. If it's written, then our uncertainty is unnecessary. Because even if a thousand preachers say it's God's will that you carry cancer, is that what the Bible says? No, no, no. The Bible makes it clear He's the healer of every disease. So let the man be proven a liar, but God will never lie. So he said, I will be, I will that you be enriched. So we got to understand that we have a free will. This free will, it allows us, hear me when I say this, it allows you to set both the direction 
and the tempo of life. You understand what I'm saying? I've got a free will. I can go whatever way I want to go. Right? And I can, I can set the course and I can set the speed. Now, if I go the way God says to go, I'm going to hit the destination that God predestined for me. But if God says, I want you to go to Atlanta and I get on the road and I think, you know what? Charlotte sounds kind of cool. I think I'm going to head that way. And I'm going to take all back roads and do 15 miles an hour. That's my choice, but I'm going the wrong way and it's going to take a long time to get there. And when I get where I'm going, I'm going to find out where I'm going isn't where I want to be. So I got to turn around and go the other way. That's why you need the Amos anointing. I need to get from Charlotte to Atlanta really fast. God can do it. Everyone say God's grace. So we need to understand we got this free will. We have to desire his will. Then there's another thing that I just really feel like we need to state is that we got to be very weary, leery is a better word, leery of transplanting a Bible verse. Understand that the Bible is not a haphazard book. It's not just a collection of statements. It was written by God through men. A perfect mind put every promise perfectly where it was meant to be. An example. Is this okay this morning? I want you to get this. I told you I'm going to be methodical. We are, as a church, very familiar with a Bible verse located in Luke chapter 6, subchapter verse 30, verse 38, right? Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. We all know it because we've heard it almost every offering time. Amen. But we touched on this last week. It's not a offering verse. The soil, the scripture likens itself to a seed, yes. right? Yes. James says, if you want to understand the kingdom, and I'm paraphrasing, but James says, Brad, if you want to understand the kingdom, look at a farmer. Because when you understand the cycle of farming, you'll understand the cycle of life and how the kingdom works. For as long as the earth remains, there will be seed, there will be time, and there will be harvest. As long as the earth remains, here's a cycle, a pattern. So if the Bible likens itself unto a seed, one of the things that I've discovered by observing this other preacher, not any likeness to me is just unintentional, but I know a certain preacher who likes to move plants. I've discovered that I had a beautiful garden. No, not me. This other preacher that I know. <laughs> had a beautiful gardenia bush in the front of his house. Problem was, the gardenia bush, he never saw it because it was in front of his house under a window, this other preacher. And so this other preacher thought, I got a brilliant idea. I'm going to transplant this gardenia bush which is blooming and producing where it is, and I'm going to uproot it and transplant it to the back of the house where I can, I mean, another preacher can see it. And so when I took it out of the soil, I mean, this other preacher, 
and I transplanted it to another place. I mean, that other preacher did it. That gardenia bush hasn't bloomed not one time since that other preacher moved it. Because you can't take a verse out of where the Holy Spirit planted it, put it somewhere else, and expect that it'll produce. See, because if Luke 6.38 were to be left in its setting, then when we give, there would always, always, always come back to us good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But what was the setting of Luke 6.38? It wasn't a church setting. It was a hostile soil setting. How do you deal with your enemies? Right? If your enemy slaps you on the cheek, turn the other one. If your enemy demands your coat, and under Roman law, the Roman soldier could take anyone's coat. Jesus said, if they want your coat, give them your shirt as well. In Matthew, he expounds on it. He says, if they demand that you walk one mile, because by law, Steve, they could grab you and say, I want you to carry my equipment one mile. Jesus said, go two. Go the extra mile for them. Oh, and by the way, give to them. And when you do this, you'll be proving that you are the son of your father who reigns goodness even upon the wicked. And then it will be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. you got to leave it in the soil. We're fond of taking verses, putting them somewhere else because we think it would be so pretty here. But if the Holy Spirit didn't put it there, leave it where he did. Right? So having said that, in, in, in this verse that we read, where was it planted? It was planted, everyone say, Offering for Christians. This is where the Holy Spirit planted this verse of you will be enriched in everything. Is it all right to start breaking this down for you? Hallelujah, Father. Let's go back to verse 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want to begin reading in verse 6. And I'm going to break this down for you almost word for word. Because I want you to get this. How many of you ever longed for a a shopping spree? I've got a new spree in mind. I'm on a sewing spree. You know why? Because I've discovered discovered that sewing is better than shopping. And so I, I, I wake, my wife can vouch for this. We wake up every day, look around the house for what can we give. Because I'm determined. This year, at the end of this year, both as a church and as individuals, we will have given many fold over what we've ever done before. Because I'm discovering, man, I'm going to be 60 in less than a decade. I'm going to be 70 in less than two. I ain't got time to play. I used to be able to play because I was immortal. I ain't immortal no more. I got a lot to do. I got to make up from some lost ground, and the only way I know it is so, so, so. Like Dr. Jeff said a couple weeks ago, he said, when it's slow, you got to sow. You ready? Yes, sir. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Now this I say, he who sows, S-O-W means to set in motion, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. 
And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now this is not, you don't need to be a theologian to understand this. You could be a janitor, painter, plumber. You could even be a politician. We all know they dumb-dumb. Y'all here? Anyone can get this. If I have a single seed in my hand and I put it into the soil, S-O-W, I sow it, and nothing happens, it's in a perfect environment, gets the right amount of sunshine, nutrients, no rodents, chipmunks, squirrels, get to it. How many plants can I expect to receive from that seed? Right? Now, if I have a dozen seeds in my hand, and I plant them in the soil, the same thing, nothing of any harm comes to them. I put 12 seeds into the soil, how many plants can I expect to receive from those 12 seeds? One of the... Holy Spirit, help me. Because see, I know that many of you are just like me. When I used to hear preachers preach this, I would sit there in my seat knowing they were just trying to get something from me. Amen. Know it. And my spiritual father used to say it over and over and over again. Dr. Thompson, I apologize to you. I didn't listen to you. But now I know you were right, sir, and I was wrong. He would say, I'm not trying to get anything from you. I'm trying to get something to you. I want all of us to live our lives on the level of our dreams where we lack for nothing, everything we desire to do, we are amply supplied and able to do it. That when you want to give, you're able to give. When you want to buy, you're able to do it cash. That He gives you wealth and He adds no sorrow to it. This is my dream. Right? You heard a man say a long time ago, I've dreamed a dream. Well, I've dreamed a dream too. My dream ain't like his dream. He had a different environment. My dream is that you would be enriched and that I would be enriched and that each of us would be able to do what God has called us to do. I'm tired of seeing missionaries having no resources. I'm tired of churches that can't build their own buildings. I'm tired of Christians that can't do what God's called them to do because they have to ask Visa for permission first. There's a way out of that mire. There's a way out. And I'm sharing it with you this morning. He said, this is, the sowing and reaping puts us in charge. So get this, get this. God says, here's the pattern. Here's the outline. But you're in control. You can set the direction and you can set the tempo. Do you want to grow slowly? Then sow slowly. Do you want to grow quickly? Then grow, sow quickly. I'm putting you in, this is how it works. Yes, sir. But it's up to you to work it. Yes, sir. You see what I'm saying? Yes, so this puts us in control. The heavens belong to God, but the earth He has given to the sons of men. Yes, we control this dirt ball. And we control our experiences upon it. Oh, I know you had obstacles. I preached on that a week or two ago. Get the message. You don't have to be entrapped by those vile people you encountered. 
I know they mistreated you. I know they abused you. But can you please stop using them as an excuse for your eternal failure? You do not have to keep failing just because they hurt you. You don't have to stay poor just because they made mistakes. You don't have to stay in that place just simply because they put you there. You can escape. You can go higher. You can go to brand new places. You can enlarge your boundaries. You can have brand new territory. You can drive something no one in your family's ever driven before. For. You can live in a house they say is too big. Because they don't set the direction. You do. They don't set the tempo. You do. All they are is speed bumps. But I've discovered, listen, if you ain't in a clunker, a speed bump ain't dangerous. I've been over speed bumps where it felt like a piece of my car dropped off. You got to go slow because that piece you lose might be an important piece. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, see, I know y'all ain't never driven clunkers like I have. Y'all ain't never had to use soldering wire to hold things together in your engine. You ain't never had to put a bolt in your carburetor just to keep it open. I have. But you know what? I've discovered if you ain't in a clunker, you can fly over a speed bump. It just feels like this. So that's the way it is. You ride over your enemies. It's like, what did I hit? You hit a bonehead. Keep going. What did they say? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Because if they ain't for you, they against you. And if they against you, they behind you. Amen. Hallelujah, Father. So by giving us seed, he put us in control. Verse 7. Each one. Everyone say each one. Paul, who wrote this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, had a full expectation that all saints would be givers. This is what Paul expected. That everyone who's encountered His grace, raptured with His love, they can contain themselves. But they'd have to give. Oh, but pastor, you don't know my situation. But I do know another group of people. I know a group of people that Paul said that they were in a great ordeal of affliction. Their poverty was so deep, it wasn't just, it wasn't just uncomfortable, it was an ordeal. And yet they begged Paul for the opportunity to give. See, when we, listen, if we knew this was the way out, then why would we use our current situation as an excuse to stay where we is? That's powerful right there. If I told you, you're in a burning building, right? It's coming down. You stay in it, you're going to die. And I'm not just saying you're going to die. You're going to die. That means it's going to be prolonged and painful. And I said, yo, that's the door right there. All you got to do is open it. That's the way out. Would you sit there and say, no, no, that door is too far away. If God wanted me out of this room before it came down, he'd put it five steps away. That door's six steps. Wow. I ain't a-going for the door. Look it out. No, none of us would be that way. If we're in a burning building and they came in and said, there's the door, you best not get in my way. <laughs> Small children, old women, I'm knocking you over. I'm getting out of the building. Y'all hear? What I'm saying is, like a gazelle, I'm sprinting for that door. 
I'm going for the way out. And God said, I've got a way for you to get out of your situation. I've got a way for you to get out of your ordeal. Seed. Seed. All you got to do is sow. But God, I've only got one seed. Oh. You know what amazes me? And, may, and I can say this because I was one for so many years. It astonishes me that people will fight for their right to be miserable. It, it, it blows my mind. Here's God's word. This is what he said to do. And we will argue with the divine. We'll argue with God. God said, you don't got to be broke no more. Here's the way out. And we're going to say, no, I don't want that way. What would you rather do? Work for 50 years at a job you hate to get a fake gold watch at the end? Or would you rather do what God says? I'm not, oh, I'm going to preach myself happy if I don't touch no one else. No wonder Kenneth Copeland said for so many years, he doesn't give. How do, he said, I give to live, and I live to give. His sowing is his occupation. The job provides the seed, but the living comes from sowing. See, if, oh. if you live on the seed, then once you've eaten it, it's gone. But if you understand that what you have in your hand is seed. Oh, I'm going to show you what the purpose of seed is. I got to get going, y'all. Each one must do. Each one. Now, this is not Old Testament. This is New Testament. This is grace. But here's what I want to say to you. The obligation of love is no less than the obligation of law. I'm not under the law, but I am under the obligation of love. For God so loved that he, if I truly know the love of God, you can't can stop me from giving. Because the, out, the outflow, the true test, the litmus test of love is giving. If he tells you he loves you, but he never gives anything to you, all he does is take from you. He takes your joy. He takes your virginity. He takes your purity. He takes everything from you. That ain't love. That's lust. Lust takes. Love gives. If I love, I ain't looking to take. I'm looking to give. Each one must give, must do, under the obligation of love. In Luke chapter 12, it stated, To whom much is given, from him much is expected. Just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly. Y'all hear this? That word grudgingly means not in a reluctant or a resentful manner. Each one must do, just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly, or under compulsion. Compulsion means forced to do something against your will. Offering time was never meant to be extortion. 
where I've got to threaten you with your dog getting the mange, your cat getting a disease, and your car breaking down in order to get you to give. If you've got to be threatened in order to give, keep your money. Because you're going to need it. Because all those things you fear will come upon you. Selah. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. For there must be first a willing mind. Everyone say a willing mind. It is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to what he has not. You see, this is what I want you to understand. Everyone says they'll start doing it when they have more. This is something everyone says. I've said it too. Everyone says I'll be a giver when I get out of debt. I'll, I'll do this when I get that big paycheck. I'll do this when I get the bonus. The truth of the matter is, if you're not going to be faithful with what you have, you will not be faithful with what you hope to have. No, sir. No, sir. Can you all say amen? amen? I'm trying to help you all here. And trust me when I tell you, I have preached this to myself for three weeks. You all are only hearing it once. I've heard it every day because I'm preaching to myself. You got to be faithful with what, if there's a willing mind, then it's accepted by what you have. Yes. This is all, you remember, you've heard, me sh you've heard me tell you the story about Rick Renner's church in Latvia, yeah? Uh -huh. Where the people had nothing, so they brought flowers. That's all they had. See, you're waiting until you're a millionaire to give. You ain't going to give. On, if there's a willing mind, Lord, all I've got is a penny. Listen, back when I used to receive the offerings and I would count them, I was thrilled when I saw pennies. You know why? Because I chose to believe it wasn't from cheap people. I chose to believe it was a sacrifice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That someone put a penny in, not because they were cheap, but because that's all they had. And so I can't tell you how many pennies I've held in my hand and asked God to bless the giver. Can you all say amen? Okay, let's go back. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able. We're still talking about the soil where this verse was planted. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always. God is able. See, listen. Even if you ain't, He is. I want to say that again because so many times we look at our abilities and we, we gauge our destination on our abilities. We've got to learn to rethink what we're capable of. We're not leaning on our own understanding. We're not leaning on our own abilities. But God is able. You'll never do it. God is able. I don't think you're smart enough. You misunderstand what I'm saying. God is, the weather's giving me more time. Y'all don't want to run out there in the rain. God is able. 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 God, man, that's got to get through our heads. God is able. It doesn't matter what you can do. What can he do? God is able. God's able to get you out of the apartment and into your own house. God is able to pay off all of your debts in one moment of time. God is able. God's able 
to bring your daughters home, your sons home. God is able to make all grace, not just financial, but all grace, emotional, relational, vocational. God is able to manifest your dream. God is able. It all started with sowing. See, I think some of us, we have never, ever experienced what God is able to do because we never started the process. We're waiting for chapter 12 or verse 12 and you ain't done verse 8 yet. Remember what I told you? You can't cheat the system. The Bible says it. I wish there were 10,000 people to hear this. Believe in your heart. And confess with your mouth. It's not enough just to believe in your heart. I've heard people say, I, I'll ask him, is Jesus in your life? Well, I believe. And that's not what I ask you. Is he in your life? Is he the savior of your soul? Do you have a relationship with the Messiah? You want to walk out of darkness? He's the light. You got to have him in your life. Well, I believe. I pray. No, 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 no. Do you, do you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth? Did you make him by naming him the Lord of your life? Can't cheat the system. You can't get to all grace until you start with the sowing. Amen. Well, I don't agree. I don't matter. I didn't agree for years either. You, we can disagree all we want and stay broke and miserable. Or we can say, not my will, but thy will be done. Oh, that's powerful right there. Not my will, but thy will. So I get to set the tempo. Lord, you put a lot in my hands. You gave me a lot of responsibility. You know what the ability, responsibility means? It means you have the ability to respond. That's what it means. So when God utters a promise, you have the ability to say, I doubt that. You also have the ability to say, I believe. And if I believe, then I'm going to adjust my behavior. I'm going to stop being selfish and start being selfless because I know my way out is your pattern. Lord, this is all I've got. I ain't got much. But it's acceptable if you have a willing mind according to what you have. Mm. This is a good word. And you know you're not doing it under pressure when you're cheerful about it. I've discovered, listen, do you know how many seeds I've given and almost cussed while I was doing it? Oh, it's called real life church, y'all. Not hypocritical life church. Not fake life church. Y'all know you've done the same thing. You gave and you didn't want to give. But you thought there was an SUV anointing on it. So you ran down with your check. Because they prophesied everyone that gives $100 get an SUV by the end of the month. You ran down and threw your $100 and you're still waiting on your SUV. Because God doesn't want, y'all hearing me? Everyone say, I'm listening. God doesn't want us to be actors. That means he doesn't want giving to be an act. He wants it to be a lifestyle. This is the reason why he says, when you're in hostile territory, give. When you're in a church setting, give. 
When you're among your enemies, give. When you're among your friends, give. When you feel like it, give. And when you don't feel like it, give. Because by doing this, you're proving that you are a child of the living God. For he who reigns above is a giver first and foremost. And when we give in whatever environment we're in, we're proving because giving is the greatest litmus test of love. I'll, I'll hurry, I'll hurry, I'll hurry. Hallelujah, Father. God is able to make all grace in every situation abound to you so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance. You know what I love about the Bible? Everything. But this is what I love about it. If it's written, I can wrap my faith around that. I don't have to wish, fantasize, have intangible, untouchable, unrealistic dreams. If it's written, I can wrap my faith around that. He said you will be enriched. I can wrap my faith up in that and have the earnest expectation that there will come a day, and it won't be long now, that I'll have all grace in all things, having all sufficiency in every situation, so that I abound unto all good works. This is the will of God. The devil's a liar. We ain't got to be broke no more. You know, the gospel's called the good news. Do you know the best news you can tell a poor man? Come on now. You ain't got to be poor no more. That's the best news you can tell a poor man. If he's poor but he's healthy, you don't got to tell him you ain't got to be sick no more. He'll say, I ain't never been sick. Right? The best, the best news you can give a sick man is say, you don't have to be sick no more. That's the good news. If you're poor, the good news is you ain't got to be poor no more. If you're broke, you ain't got to be broke no more. Why? Because this is the year of the Lord's favor. His favor is on you. I've said it before, but I'll say it again just because I like the way it sounds. You've heard of the Hittites. You've heard of the Perizzites. You've heard of the Canaanites. Behold God's favor right. I'm the favor right of God. I come from the land of favor. This is the year yes, of God's favor. Yes, you ought to look in the mirror and say, I'm the favorite one of God. Yes, sir. God's favor is on you. All we got to do is do what he said. Yes. And the outcome is already <coughs> determined. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So listen, 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 let's keep going. You may have an abundance. Your abundance has a purpose. I'll try to wrap this up. I don't know if I'll finish, but we'll get, get going. That you may have an abundance for, everyone say for, F-O-R. That means in support of or to show favor. Your abundance has a purpose, and your, that purpose of your abundance is to support every good deed. As it is written, what are the good deeds? He scattered abroad... He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. 
After you're gone, only two things are going to be remembered about you. You ready? Can I get deep for a minute? When you're gone, two things are going to remain. What you did, what you done did to people and what you done did for people. What you do for people is what you ought to be remembered for. And that's, the Bible calls that an act of righteousness, and your act of righteousness will live on forever. Let's keep going. Verse 10. Now he... Now remember last week I told you, clarify this by removing the word who, right? He supplies seed to the sower. If you and I make a determination, I'm going to start giving, he'll show you seed. That's his promise. If you want to do it, I'm going to make sure you have something to do it with. You want to kill a giant? I'll give you a stone. You want to separate an ocean? I'll give you a staff. You want to defeat the, most, the, the greatest nation on the planet? I'll give you a stick. I'll give you something to do something with. Ain't none of us got nothing to do something with because he'll provide the seed we need in order to change our environment. Because he says he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Yes, sir. But did you notice the seed for sowing comes before the bread for food? Yes. Yes. This is good, man. I'm gonna, I might buy the CD myself and they free. <laughs> he supplies seed to the sower and the seed comes before the bread. Listen, when you pray and ask God for a need, he will show you his need. Can I share a story with you? One of the greatest lessons I ever heard by Pastor Dave Roberson out of Tulsa, Oklahoma was an old tape entitled Prosperity is Inevitable. And in it, he shared some very valuable insights. I listened to it until I wore the tape out. Here's the story. Pastor Dave shared a story in which he came off the road, and he was back, this was in the early 80s, he was on uh, international television, and he came back from off the road, and his secretary presented him a stack of bills, and he discovered that while he was on the road, his ministry went in debt a half million dollars. That he owed a half million dollars in television bills. And so he did what any godly man does, he prayed. And he presented the bills to God, and he asked God to meet the need. And he said almost before he was done praying, the telephone rang. And on the other line, the other end of the line, was an even bigger ministry than his with a much better known TV preacher. And this TV preacher said, Pastor Dave, while I was praying this morning, yeah. <laughs> you know it's anointed when you hear that. <laughs> when I was praying this morning, the Lord brought you to mind, and I feel like you and I need to spend some time together. Pastor Dave was like, shandili undi. Yes, amen. I'll make time. Because he thought, I just got done praying. You called. You're coming to pay off my bills. So the man flies to Tulsa. They have lunch and they go off together somewhere. And the man became really sheepish in his mannerisms. And he, he looked at Pastor Dave. He said, he said Dave, he said, um, I know God's really blessed you. And he said, I find myself in a predicament. He said, uh, you know those television bills, they pile up quick. And Dave said, yeah, I know. He said, uh, I find myself a quarter of a million dollars in debt, and if I don't get these paid off pretty quick, they're going to take me off the air. Can you help a brother out? <laughs> yeah. 
Pastor Dave said his heart sank. And he prayed silently while he was still in the presence of this man. He said, Lord, I thought you sent him here to be the answer to my need. Hear me when I say this. The Lord said, I did. I did. And Pastor Dave said, I don't understand. My need's double the size of his need. I can't pay off my bill. How am I going to be able to pay off his? And this is the verse that the Lord gave him. You ready? Everyone say, I'm getting this. The Lord spoke to Pastor Dave and gave him Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. It doesn't mean whether you're the employee or the employer. It doesn't matter whether you're broke or whether you're rich. That's what he's saying. Every good thing you do for someone else, the Lord said you'll receive that back from me. So Pastor Dave was thinking, I thought you sent him here. The Lord said, I did. Everyone say opportunity, opportunity. For, prosperity. for prosperity. You and I miss it so many times because we go to God in prayer for a need and then suddenly we become aware of someone else's need and we walk right past it because we're consumed with our need. When the Lord spoke to Pastor Dave, he, he, he only had a couple thousand dollars in the bank. Nowhere near. But see, you don't have to have all of it. You just have to do your part. That's what being a partner in life means. I don't do the whole thing. I do my part. And together we are partners in the kingdom. And whatever good thing I do... I'm not looking to get it back from you. This is why I say I'm, we're not trying to get anything from you. Because I don't want you to be my source. I don't want a man to be my source. I've, listen, as a missionary, I've had men as my source. And I discovered even good men are, are, are subject to circumstances. But my God will meet my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And that's a place and a person that never changes. Oh, can y'all give me two more minutes? Hallelujah, Father. Let's keep going. Let's go, go back to verse 10. Hallelujah. Now he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Will meaning bound to supply and multiply your seed for sowing. What is that for? Yep. And increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now we get to verse 11 finally. You will, by divine determination, when you followed the outline and did what the Bible says to do, quit complaining about where you are and just say, I start today to change my circumstances. My job ain't never going to buy the house of my wife's dreams. 
So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to live according to my income. I'm going to live according to God's goodness. How do I get involved in this system? How do I do it? Follow the outline. It's in the Bible. And I know we've all heard preachers that have abused it, but the worst thing we can do is throw out the truth just because somebody twisted it. Say that again. Just because somebody twisted the truth, ignore them, not the truth. I want to say that again. Yes. Well, you know, so-and-so's twisting it and so-and-so saying this. So you're putting them between you and your destiny? If they are twisting it, ignore them, but don't ignore the truth. Amen. How do we know the truth? You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. You shall know the truth. Not ignore the truth, but you shall ignore or you shall know. What is truth? This is truth. This is tested. This is eternal. This is unchangeable. This works each time and every time. I've seen it work in communist Russia. I've seen it work in Germany. I've seen it work in Korea. I've seen it work in Tulsa. I've seen it work in Greenville. I've seen it work for men. I've seen it work for women. I've seen it work for children. It works for everybody. Are y'all here this morning? Yes, Hallelujah. We're, we'll bring this to a close. You will be enriched for all liberality. And that word liberality means the quality of giving freely. He's going to increase you so that you can do greater good. You see, the, the ungodly, even if wealthy, don't expand the kingdom. Believers expand the kingdom. Believers expand the influence of our God by word and by deed. John chapter 16, I'm bringing this to a close. We outlasted the rain. John chapter 16, verse 24. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. That's truth. But James chapter 4 is truth as well. James chapter 4 verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives. So that you may spend it on your pleasures. See, if you and I ask for increase so that we can have influence... That's the true purpose. Amen. You know, God will give you, is this, everyone say, I'm listening. I'm, listening. I'm not raining on your parade. God will give you the Rolex watches. God will give you the big houses. He'll give you the cars. Because you know what those are? Trinkets. That's all they are. They're trinkets. The only difference between a Rolex and a Timex is how you spell it and what you pay for it. <laughs> that means nothing to God if we'll keep our motives right. Amen. Right? I was, in a, I was in a mission or a pastor's conference one time. I know I need to bring those, but it's John's fault. I don't know why. It just is. I get that by divine revelation. I was in a pastor's conference, and all of these pastors they had shared with I, I was the only missionary many of them supported. And they pastored mega churches, and they were sending me as a missionary $100 a year. 
I was grateful for the hundred bucks until they got up and began to testify how they spent $50,000 on the audio system for their private jet. And they spent $5,000 on the pair of shoes they were. And I'm, I'm sitting there as a missionary going, I'm thinking to myself, and you know, that poverty mindset was almost, it was, I was like, do you know what I could do with five grand? And I was starting to get angry. And I said, Lord, teach me about this because I don't want to become resentful. Teach me. And the Lord, this is what the Lord said to me. He said, you restore to me the treasures of the earth. I'll give you the trinkets of the earth. And instantly I understood all the things. He'll gladly give us those things. If, 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 if the Rolex watch makes you happy, he'll give it to you. As long as your main purpose is soul winning. Your main purpose is expanding the kingdom. Your main purpose is when you get that money, your first thought is not, what do I need a second Rolex? Your first thought is, I wonder if I can help that orphanage reaching those unloved children. Maybe I can take this money and give it to them. And then when God gives you a second Rolex, there's no sorrow added to it because you know you didn't. Is this making sense? God will give us all the trinkets, man. He'll give us so many trinkets. We need to have a bigger barn to store them in. As long as our main purpose is liberality. That's why you and I got to be careful. We don't judge people that got all the trinkets. Because we don't know if they ain't seeking first the kingdom and all these things have been added to them. Verse 12, and we'll close with this. I've said that before, though, haven't I? For the ministry of this service of giving is not only fully supplying the needs of who? The saints. But is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Hmm. Last verse. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. We'll close with this. Don't laugh, I'm being serious. When I start getting hungry, it's time to close. <laughs> the chicken be speaking to me in King James English. Verse 18, chapter 8, Deuteronomy. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you, everyone say me, me. power to make wealth that he may confirm. That means to establish the truth of his covenant. And I want to close with this. His covenant is not fully confirmed nor established in our lives until we have, through the power he gave us, established wealth, confirmed wealth, created wealth in our lives. How do we create wealth according to his pattern and his outline? The seed. Yes. Yes. Giving. Wow. That's the power you have. Yes. See, there's a lot of power you don't have. But there is a power you do have. Yes. The power's in your hand. Yes. Right? Over and over again, God would ask, what do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? That's the power he gave you. Yes. The power of the seed is undeniable. Because from a single seed, you can create a whole forest. Yes. See, for years, I thought the power to create wealth was my intellect. Yes. 
Because I'd be smart. But not smart enough. Because the wealth never came. For years, I thought the power to create wealth was in my arms. So I worked hard. And many times, the harder I worked, the more elusive wealth was. Ah, oh, come on now. I thought the power to create wealth was in here or in here. I know it certainly ain't in here. They didn't even let me in for the auditions of American Idol. So I went for You Gotta Dance. They didn't let me in there either. The power to create wealth is the seed that he put in your hand. Be it many or be it few, there's the power I have right there to create wealth. Am I going to eat it? Am I going to sow it? Everyone say amen. amen. Hold up your offering this morning.